Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in today's episode, I chat with my new friend, Kristen. As with most of my sober friends, Kristen and I connected on Instagram, and I was so excited to spend an hour with her and get to hear more of her story. She shares a part of her story that I think a lot of us can relate to, and that is the fear of grieving the death of a loved one without alcohol. Kristen didn't think that she could face the death of her father sober until she did. Kristen, thank you for sharing your personal story of grief. I'm sure your father is proud of your sobriety and the fact that you honored him in such an amazing way. This is Kristen Sober. Thank you for doing this like so quickly. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll uh, just put myself unavailable at work and make it look like I'm on my lunch. You know, no big deal. It's all good. Working I mean, it is long- I'll say it is lunch hour. So like, why not? Right. Why Obviously not like lunch hour? Yeah. Why not do a podcast? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm super not prepared, but we'll, we'll figure it out as hey, we go. Right. I'm never prepared for these. I'm like, I don't know if by some act of God or divine intervention, they always go really great. But I think it's because I, I just have people that I connect with and you and I've been connecting a lot lately on Instagram. So like, this is perfect. Cause I would love to like hear more about you and learn more yeah, about you. Totally. All right. So let's talk about you getting sober. Let's go back a little bit. Um, cause everybody always wants to know, I know I get asked a lot, like mm-hmm. why, why did you get sober? And I think everyone's always looking for this like rock bottom thing. And for some people it is, but tell me a little bit about what your story is on like how that evolved for you. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, you know, my drinking was, I started when I was probably 15 in high school. Um, I wasn't the type that like I had to drink to fit in. I had lots of friends. It wasn't like, you know, it just, we lived in this little hillbilly town. We'd go out into the woods, have a bonfire and drink. That's what you did, you know, went to college. I was, you know, pretty much a straight A student, had a double major. All my friends partied. We all drank. Um, You know, I always, probably looking back at it now, I was probably always the one that would have the most problems the next day after the night of drinking. Like I'd be hungover. I'll never forget. I missed the year ahead of me's graduation from college. You know what I mean? Because I was too hungover the next morning, just things like that. Right. And then I went on to work, um, and I would go out and drink, you know, like all my friends, yeah, I was in my early twenties. I was worked for the airlines. I worked for like an insurance company, you know, young adults, you know, we'd go out, I'd drink. Um, and always to the, the point of like excess, you know, it was never like just have a few drinks. When I drank, I went out and I drank and I got completely drunk all the time. Um, and then I got married at 30, had two kids, um, who are now 21 and 19. And, um, I, I didn't drink while I was pregnant. Um, I drank when my kids were younger, but it was more like, you know, I'd go out the one night every couple months and get completely obliterated. You know what I mean? I wasn't necessarily drinking daily, but every time I drank, it was a bad scenario. And then I got divorced. And then, um, I was like living in an apartment with my kids, working three jobs. And then I started working from home probably like eight or nine years ago pre-COVID, right? Mm-hmm. No one worked from home back then. It was, here's your laptop, go work from home, have at it. We don't know what to tell you as long as you have Wi-Fi. So, and not to blame it on anything, because I know it, 
addicts are known for blaming things on other things, but I do believe that working from home back then probably contributed to my increase in alcohol intake because four o'clock was right there. The the glass was right there to start having a drink. 12 o'clock had a rough day. Maybe I'll just sneak one in now. You know what I mean? It just became easier and easier to drink. Um, So that went on for, for a long time. And I drank a lot um, during the last eight years before I got sober, October 27th, 2019, which um, I don't know if it was like a rock bottom per se, but it was like the straw that broke the camel's back in my relationship with my fiance, who was my boyfriend at the time. Um, We had been out drinking all day with a friend of mine. And here I am, you know, 49, like, you know, drinking to the point of excess, throwing up in the mornings. I mean, really bad, you know, really, really bad. Um, And we had gone out and we were at a bar and, uh, I don't remember much of the night, you know, and the next day I'm calling up my friend asking her her for her, you know, quarterback, Monday morning quarterback story of how I was. And of course, you're the most drunkest person that was with you. You're asking, how was right. I? She's like, I oh, were fine. Nope, nothing happened. You know, I'm like, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. But my boyfriend at the time was like, you were like hitting on this guy, you know, in the bar with me right there with you. So if you're doing that with me right there with you, what could you possibly be doing when I'm not with you? And like, this was like some random guy that I knew from like town when my kids were little and they played soccer. I mean, he had gotten a divorce. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I love that. I want to check this guy out. Like nothing like that. It was literally some guy that I like had known from years before. And apparently I was being overly um, um, flirty with him. And, you know, I, I don't even remember. Don't even remember Steph. Like couldn't couldn't tell you what I did. You know, that's what I was calling my friend the next day. Like, did it look like I was hitting on this guy? Like, what was I doing? She was like, ah, you're fine. And I, you know, but I knew the way my boyfriend was. He was like, this is it. And you know, as much as people want to say you need to do it for yourself, at that very moment, I was not doing it for myself. I was like, I need I need to get my shit together. This man is gonna leave me. We've been together for eight years. He has been there for me and. of our fights were always because of me when I was drinking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were days where he, I'd wake up the next day and I'd be hungover and he'd be like, Chris, what happened? How come you're so, how come you're so hungover? You're so drunk. You know, you got so drunk last night. What's going on? It's a Tuesday, you know, middle of the week, not, not any celebration, a Tuesday, Wednesday, work day. Every, I work every single day. I've never called out of work. You know what I mean? I've worked three jobs almost my whole entire life, you know, hustling, making sure my kids go to college, pay for everything, single mom. Um, and I was like, I don't even know if I want to say I was ready. Did I want to get sober? Not really, per se. I just knew I had to. Um, so I went Googled like um, outpatient programs in the area. I found one. I called them up. I was like mad, crying, sad, emotional. I went and did like an intake with the with the clinician. And I was like, I don't want to be here. And she was like, do you want to come three days or five days a week for three hours a night for three days or five days a week? And I was like, eh, yeah, five days isn't going to work. I'll do three. Okay. So I... <laughs> That's intense. Yeah. I was like, "Mm, I work full time. I live with my, I was living with my parents at the time who were very sick, both of them taking care of them. I was like a full-time nurse. I was like a a full-time caregiver, food shopped, um, like clean the house. I had one of my daughters live with me. My other daughter had gone to live with her father. Um, So I joke and I'm Italian. I'm like, I live with my parents and they, I went and ended up in rehab after living with them. (laughs) It was like crazy household. You know what I mean? My dad's screaming constantly. God rest his soul. He has passed. Um, but um, I was like, I got to, I got to do this. So I probably didn't even start like the actual outpatient program for a couple weeks, but cold Turkey just cut it out completely. hundred percent. If I wasn't doing something at the end of the day, I was in bed because that's what I had to do. 
just go to sleep. And then I started going to the program three days, three nights a week, like it was a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, never missed a class. Um, always said to the clinician, I'm like, I really hated you when you did my intake. I did not like you. And then I, by the end, I was like, you know, calling her up for, you know, guidance and support. And she was so amazing. And, you know, but at the time you're just like, I just don't even want to be here. You know, I don't know what I'm doing here. And, you know, the outpatient program was, um, substance abuse of all kinds, right? It was alcohol. It could have been, uh, pills, could have been gambling, could have been sex, could have been anything. So you're in this room, you know, and it's like kind of an AA type setting. You do a check-in and you were there for three hours, three nights a week, you know, it was heavy duty. Some nights I cried the whole time. Some nights I laughed the whole time. Some nights I was able to support other people the whole time. So it was, it was, it was a lot, but I attribute that to, we got P checked. You know what I mean? I wasn't doing it because I had to, people were there because they had DUIs, they're on probation. You know, people didn't want to be there. Most of the people didn't want to be there. They were just there because they had to. And here I am putting my pee in a little cup, giving it to the lady, feeling like, you know, kind of bad, you know, kept me accountable for sure. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. definitely helps in the beginning, right? Staying accountable because you don't want the you know pee to show up with, you know, that you had alcohol. Um, and that, so that Saturday night was the last time I ever took a sip of alcohol and I've never gone, never gone back. And then he and then my fiance proposed to me that December. Oh, wow. (laughs) So it went from October when he was leaving. Right. And, you know, and then December he proposed because, I mean, my turnaround was, you know, a complete 360. And to this day, he always says, you know, how proud he is of me and how he just loves his new girlfriend slash fiance because I've just come so full circle. I mean, I was a mess, Steph. I mean, like a mean, mean. There was never a good night when I was drinking. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like starting off happy and then end up in a fight. No, this just went from bad to worse. Most, most, most of the time. And then to, yeah. And then to not like that situation for you to not remember it. And so then you can't even defend yourself. Like, how do you defend yourself and be like, well, I wasn't flirting when you don't even remember having this interaction with this other guy. I mean, that I had some moments like that where my husband the next day was like, you were so mean to me last night. And I'm like, God, I was like, I'm not a mean person at all. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't, and I don't remember any of it. And that is some scary shit like that. When you can't defend yourself or you can't even like, remember what you did. That is so scary. That's when, you know, it's like, Oh, this is getting, yeah. I mean, they say like blackout and you literally are like blacked out. Mm. You're functioning. You're not like on the ground because you're still obviously apparently somewhat yeah. coherent, I guess, at the time. Right. Um, It's a very strange concept, in my opinion, to to think that you could just be tootling all along and and you're doing all this stuff, but you're actually completely out of it, you know, um, and then it just it makes your life so made my life so guilt ridden and I could never, you know, know my truth because I didn't know my truth. I didn't know what I had done to, like you said, to defend yourself. You can't because you don't even know. I mean, when my kids were younger, I'd like write things down the night before to make sure I remembered what they told me they had to do the next day because I knew I wasn't going to remember. I mean, you know what I mean? It was kind of, kind of sad to think about, but that's what I had to do, you know? And then I, you know, I'd let, would let the kids get away with stuff because I feel bad. I feel guilty. Was I really drunk last night? Did they come home and see me drunk? You know, so that plays into it. You have the guilt factor with the kids and you start to feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, you you just yes everything after a while because it just is easier, you know, than setting up boundaries. I mean, um, you know, you can really defend yourself. You don't ever have to, I don't ever feel sorry about something that I did. 
I mean, I'll feel sorry if it was my fault in doing something, but I'm not going to feel sorry because I don't know what I did. Right. It's easier to own up to it too, you know, when you can, when you're in your right mind and you do something and you're less likely to, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, do I still make mistakes or do things that I'm like, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have done it. But there's not as heavy of a guilt because when you're in your right mind, there's just something about like knowing Hey, I gave it my best shot or I was trying, my intentions were good, but maybe it Mm -hmm. came off wrong. I don't know. There's just something different about it. I want to talk about your girls. Yeah. So because they're old, they were older. Um, I have a 14 year old, so I, she's very aware of what's going on. What has your sobriety done for them? Like, do you see a difference? Do they see a difference? What kind of conversations have you guys had about it? Yeah. So, I mean, my kids are amazing. So, you know, when I got divorced, they were like um, seven and nine, you know, so we went through some really rough times of between my being in an active addiction, dealing with an ex, you know, dealing with having to work multiple jobs and, you know, juggling and, but the drinking, obviously for my um, personality and behaviors just made me and my older daughter, we really clashed a lot. And she ended up moving out when she was 16 to go live with her dad. And, you know, I still, to this day, you know, feel like uh, my drinking played a part in that, you know what I mean? Um, In her moving out, we definitely have come so far in our relationship. Um, We're so much closer. We're able to, I'm able to have really good conversations with them, even if per se, you know what I mean? It's not like me just spewing off a bunch of nonsense when I would, when I was drinking. Um, my younger one, um, she's always lived with me. So she's, you know, a lot too, but you know, I've definitely had the conversations of, you know, I was doing the best that I could at the time, you know, and my addiction was obviously, um, not, uh, did not put us all in a good place at sometimes, but I, I was always there for them. I always did every, I mean, the soccer, the dance, the classes, the, the, this class or that class, getting them here to and from. I mean, I did everything. I had them pretty much all the time. I actually had them like every other weekend. So I was really full, 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 you know, and working full time. So, um, you know, we've, we've really come so far. I mean, for Christmas, I don't have it with me, but they got me a, a Yeti with my little, um, insignia soba mama on it you know and then they got me a sign I mean you're kidding they're old enough obviously that they can go buy things for you which is Mm -hmm. amazing and that they think enough about me and care enough about me to get like my I I have always the saying if it were easy everyone would be doing it and they had this wooden sign made for me with that phrase on it I mean it, it just you know what I mean it warms my heart you know um so yeah, I mean, it's for my relationships with my fiance, with my children, obviously, it's just been so amazing. I mean, when the kids are little, and you think that the alcohol is helping, because you're stressed, it, you just want to shake every mom and, and all the commercials and the wine, the wine, the, 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 and all this, the wine culture and the, you know, normalizing. I mean, that's what you did. You know what I mean? I mean, you'd be having a play date, you'd be drinking, you know what I mean? You got together with all the moms from the kids, you know, with your kids, the friends and you drank, but you know, the, the, oh, it's gonna, I had such a stressful day. I got to have a glass of wine. I mean, did I, you know, all, like when I was drinking and the kids were younger, you know, they'd be, they'd hang out in the rooms and I'd be cooking dinner by myself because I knew that I could, you know, be having my drinks while I was doing that, you know, and I I feel like I missed out for sure on some stuff, you know, where I would have invited them down to cook with me, you know, but I chose not to because I was drinking, you know, and it was just easier to have them just come down when dinner was done, you know? Mm -hmm. 
so you know there's certain things but I I you know I have to say to myself I, I can't go back in time I can't I can only you know move forward prove myself and my actions today um and moving forward and you know I just try to be the best most supportive mom I possibly can for my kids um they you know they're amazing and they're so proud of me which makes it so amazing you know especially at this age where they can really you know verbalize that obviously at 21 and 19 and and appreciate me and give me the little gifts and just, you know, do little things for me like that. It's just, it's, it's really, it's just amazing. I can't say enough about how amazing it's been getting sober for my relationship with my kids. You know, my only regret is not having done it sooner. I mean, yeah. Mine too. Know. Mine too. But I, like you said, you can't, you can't undo all of that. And I think it's, in a way it's kind of from, from my relationship with my daughter, I feel like it's been kind of a blessing for her to see a contrast now of what alcohol can do because she is old enough to know what it was like having mom as a drinker. And then now to see how much better I am as a parent, I am Mm -hmm. as, you know, someone she can trust to Mm -hmm. take her somewhere when she needs to go somewhere now, because I am not you know, mom's drinking. I can't drive you right now. There's just all those little things. And the thing that aren't you just like, yeah, you want to go to your friend's house? Sure. Hop in the car. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. You need, we need to go get something at Walmart at 10 o'clock, you know? All right. Yeah. I'm, I can go to be able to be there. And like there, you know, I, I have a lot of regret because I had a really hard time having my daughter. And so I kind of, find, and I've gotten better about not beating myself up about it. But when I first got sober and my eyes were open to what I had done as a parent, I was like, what the hell were you thinking? You wanted this child so bad. Like you tried so hard to have her and then you had her, but you like took the easy route all the way through. Like, I don't remember a lot of things because I was caught up in the mommy wine culture. And like Mm -hmm. every weekend was about having people over and letting loose. And, you know, I, there's just so many things that I don't remember as clearly as I think I should, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe I wouldn't have either way. I'll never know. Um, so there's a lot of that, that I deal with now in sobriety. Um, so I love that you, said and was, and reminded me that like, we can't undo any of that. We have to just keep moving forward. And, and we've got a lot of time with them still to, to show them a different way and improve that. You, we you have to, there. you know, you, it's just not going to do anyone any good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To, to, to dwell on the past, you know, you can, you know, when you feel comfortable, talk about it, you know, with her, if there's times that you feel like you need to have addressed, you know what I mean? I'm not an AA person, but I do take on some of their, the tenets of AA, you know, to make the amends, you know what I mean? It has to be safe for you. It has to be safe for her, you know what I mean? Things like that. So, you know, some things are just maybe not safe for me to go to, you know, to talk about with the kids, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and not safe for them maybe. So, you know, I don't, I'm not going to bring up every, I don't want to rehash every horrible moment necessarily. You know, I just, I'll do it when it's the right timing. I'll do it when it's necessary for having a conversation about something, you know, um, and just kind of trust the process in that manner and, you know, just let it be, you know, some things you just don't need to revisit, you know? Right. Yeah. As it becomes relevant, maybe in their lives or, you know, as they become mothers and they maybe struggle with something. Yeah. I see exactly what you're saying. Then there's a, there's a time and a place for I'm talking exactly. about certain things that happened in the past. Yeah. You yeah. Don't want to just and like, 
overbear them with all this stuff. And then this one time I was doing this and I, you know, you're like, Oh, I just opened up a big can of worms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then sometimes, you know, they will, I will get a little bit of a dig on something that happened, you know, from the past from Mm -hmm. one of them. And, you know, it's a defense mechanism for them and I get it. And, you know, I have to own it. You know what I mean? Okay. I did do that. I do understand that you were upset about it at that time. You know what I mean? I apologize. I, I can't go back in time. I did that. And I ruined X, Y, and Z, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, you always want to say it's not going to happen again, you know, um, but y- y- there's only so much you can do and say, you know, you have to move mm-hmm. forward. It's just mm-hmm. not, wor- it's not going to help anybody just trying to dwell on things, you know, you just do the best you can. And like I said, I was doing the best I can at the time. I mean, I was under a lot of stress, but you know what I mean? And not that that's an excuse, right? But it's just what I did, you know, and I always worked up all the time to make sure they had everything. I mean, yeah, I think I own stock in justice, the company. I don't know if you if you child. Yes. I mean, now they sell it at Walmart. I'm like, seriously, right. I was, I was like, you know, had to go work an extra cleaning job to like buy a shirt because it was $57 at justice. And now they're like three at Walmart. I'm like, the kids like brought up this meme of like, when my kid says they need a new shirt from justice and you're like, you know, calculating your budget, you know, back then, I mean, it was like that. You know what I mean? It was. <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean, but that is like amazing because you did do the best that you can. And I feel like as, as even as women, like as we mature, we do look back at that. Like we look back at what our parents did for us and they will recognize that, right? Like, even though maybe there were some hard times because of your drinking, I mean, they will know that you were doing the best that you could exactly. at the time. And yeah, it's no excuse, but it's, it's, it's the reason, right? I mean, there's so many women and like you were talking about, not only were you raising your girls, then you're like taking care of your parents. And there's so many women in your position. Like I have a friend that same thing, like, and it, and then the wine culture, like, loves that situation, right? Because mm-hmm. here you are, you're at this time in your life that is so stressful, so stressful. Wine's the answer. You deserve it. This is what, and all it's doing is it's just like making you unavailable for these people that need you. And for these times where they're hard, but they're also going to be pivotal and memorable. Like there's memories that are getting created in these moments, even though they're hard times, like I'm sure like, is that, does that like strike so, anything with you? Like, yeah. I mean, so I, you know, I do, um, I do support, I do uh, support meetings for Soba Sistas, you know, so I host some meetings and a lot of the girls have been coming since day one and they will a lot of times bring up my story that kind of helps them in their journey too, that I always tell them. So when I got sober in October of 2019, I was living with my parents, like I said, and then I ended up moving out at the end of December. That's a whole nother podcast. So we won't go there. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I moved out I lived there for six months and I moved out. And then um, when I got sober, I'll never forget, you know, when we were in the IOP intensive outpatient meeting, so I call it IOP, the IOP meetings. One time we had to um, sit around, we sit around a circle and you write down a piece of paper, some of your concerns or like your biggest hurdles you feel like you're going to have to overcome being sober. And one of mine was, I, we go to a camp in the summertime, we have a camper and, you know, all you do is sit around at a campfire and drink beer, you know, so I'm thinking, mm-hmm. so I wrote down, I mean, it seems ridiculous now to me because I'm just like, oh my God, there's so uh, many more I, important we, we did it too. We did right? it too. So you I know, know exactly what I'm talking about. about. I mean, yep. it's like 9am and people are drinking beer and, you know, smoking cigarettes. And I'm just like, you know, I'm doing my power walk and they're looking at me like I got three heads now, you know, but so my one, my one hurdle was, you know, being at camp. And then my other, other hurdle was 
how am I going to stay sober when, when my dad passes? Cause at, in 2019, I knew he's been sick for many, many years. Um, he had like pancreatitis. He turned into a diabetic. Then from the diabetes, he had severe um, kidney failure, you know, things of that sort. So in, at that time I said, there is just no way I'm going to be able to be sober when my father dies. Cause of course you think of mourning and a funeral and all that stuff. And of course you're going to drink, right? Because that's what people do when they're mourning, they drink for stress relief. Mm -hmm. That was October by February when after we had moved out, my dad ended up needing dialysis. We ended up setting up a system where we did it at home. I, myself and my brother-in-law got trained to do at home called peritoneal dialysis. I mean, I was literally like, like in the surgical room, putting my scrubs on, like attaching catheters to them and setting up this machine every single day every day for seven days a week, it would run through the night. I'd have to go in the morning, unhook them. My brother-in-law would hook them up at night. We did that for eight months. And then wow. something happened. Yeah. So at that point I was like, okay, super grateful for my sobriety at this point, because God knows I would not be handling catheters no. and putting them in my dad's stomach. Cause if you drop the thing, like it, like you could kill the man, like I could have killed them so many times. Like it was so dangerous what we were doing. I mean, literally then COVID hit. So we were like managing everything from mm-hmm. home. Because we're like, if he ends up in a hospital, he's never coming home. Like that was just the, the mindset. So we, my brother-in-law managed his medications, did everything. We would call the doctor up this, down this, lower this. He needs more diabetes, you know, more insulin, less this. He's having a seizure. It was chaotic. If I could just, I mean, that's just a sampling of what it was like. So of course I'm thinking my hands would have been shaking. I'd have been hung over in the morning. How would I ever have done dialysis? I wouldn't even have signed up for this job. I mean, but they're like, you work from home and you're five minutes away. You seem like the best op- op- option right now. And my right. brother-in-law runs, yeah, I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> my yeah. brother-in-law runs a restaurant. So he'd be up late at night. So he'd be able to do like the, the nighttime hookup and I'd do the morning hookup. So we did it. You know, we had to go to like a dialysis center, get trained for like three days, to, like take a test. To, I mean, it was like this whole big thing. <sighs> I mean, I could be like, people are like, are you, are you a nurse? And I'm like, no, I may as well be though. By the time I was done taking care of my dad, I knew every term you could possibly think of. And I could definitely manage someone with diabetes, you know? So that, of course, I was grateful for my sobriety. And then fast forward, December 26th, uh, 2021, last year he passed. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I say to, I say to people like I was at the time when I got sober, I was like, there's no way I'm not going to be able to pick up a drink when my dad dies. And guess what? Fast forward almost two, two years later, um, I was grateful that I had not been drinking and that I did not drink during finding out when he had passed from the hospital. They called us up. I was awake. It was five o'clock in the morning. They tried to get us there in time. We couldn't make it. He passed. We got there. I was there. I hadn't been drinking the night before, which I know I would have been. It was Christmas day. The whole rest of the family, you know, they had had a big party, you know, for Christmas. My dad was in the hospital. He'd been in ICU. He was in and out in the last month. Went there, managed a funeral, had to manage my mother, who at the time was in a nursing home. That was a whole, that's a whole nother podcast, but um, took care of my mother. Had to, like, babe, she was like a child. It was like taking care of a baby at a funeral. Like, she was in a wheelchair, and I literally was with her the entire time. And so the the whole experience, I was, thank you, Lord, that I am sober for this because I could not have done it if I was drinking. But my mindset three years before was, I am never going to make it through this. And I always say, if I can get through something as traumatic as that experience, you too can do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's amazing what the, what the power is of yourself when you're not drinking to be able to overcome yeah. trauma. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about that, like grieving sober compared to grieving with alcohol. Cause like you said before, 
your mindset was, how does anyone grieve without alcohol? Like you need alcohol to get through the grieving process. So now grieving with alcohol and now having something very traumatic, grieving without alcohol, what's the contrast there for you? I mean, of course I was emotional and I, the day of the funeral, I didn't cry because I was taking care of my mother. I had to be strong for her. I cried a lot afterwards, but I would have been a fool, like a complete mess, bumbling fool. Had I been drinking, you just, your emotions. I just, I know every time I've, I ever drank, it always ended up with me crying, you know, whether there was something to cry about or not. And of course, a funeral is definitely something to be crying about. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to hold myself together for three seconds. You know what I mean? I went from 6am in the morning till almost midnight and I got through the day. You know what I mean? And was it easy? No, it was much easier though. Not having been drinking, I'd have been drinking from probably the night before. I'd have been hungover probably. I'd have been drinking again in the morning. I'd have barely probably made it to the to the funeral. I would have barely made it to the mass. Who knows if I would have made it to the burial and then the little get together thing afterwards. You know what I mean? I was fully aware. I was present. I was, you know, I was able to take care of my mother um, and greet everyone at the funeral and and just be hundred percent there and not removed and distant and drunk and emotionally like, you know, inconsolable, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it could have been, it would have been a lot different if I had been drinking, mm-hmm. you know? So um, people think that the alcohol is going to help, but, you know, I always say, you know, it's just that, that feeling when you feel like you need a drink, it's really just the thought that lingers around for 10, 15 minutes. And then, you know, it goes away really. Right. But it um, does. And then even if there's any little bit of like dopamine that gets kicking around in there after you have that one drink, it soon turns into that depressant, you know what I mean? So that's why you see so many people crying all the time after drinking, because mm-hmm. it just makes people, you know, inconsolable a lot of times, mm-hmm. especially in a situation like that. I mean, I just could not imagine, you know, and, you know, I'm not like, I don't want to be like, oh, I didn't cry. Like, I just, I knew that I, I had to be strong for my mother. I mean, she just didn't even know what was going on around her. She had like this weird dementia thing. She had gone into a nursing home while my dad was sick and was there for like five months. And I was like living in the nursing home with her while my dad was in and out of ICU and the rest of the yeah. family was kind of managing him. And she just had this like transfer trauma and she couldn't even name like her kids' names mm. uh, while she was there, you know? So it was dealing with that on top of it, you know? Um, I'd bring my laptop into the nursing home and they'd be like, oh, can you help in the cafeteria? Like they thought I worked there. <laughs> I mean, I joke about it now, but it was like funny. I'm like, yeah, she's like a two-person assist, you know? Like, I mean, I had all the, like, the PT terms and everything. So I'd yeah. be in there every day, getting her out of the bed, you know, try, they, she wouldn't let anyone give her a shower except for me. So I'd be wheeling her down to the shower stall, you know? And the nurses were like, you know, do you want a job? You know, they were short-staffed. It was COVID. It was crazy, you know? Yeah. Now, thank, now, thank God she's home. She has a caregiver. She's completely come full circle. I mean, you could say something to her and you just can't even imagine the stuff's coming out of her mouth that she remembers and cognizant of and you're just like wow there's my mom you know so mm-hmm. that's been a, that's been amazing too um but yeah it was uh that, so I you know I do tell that story and it does tend to kind of help some people who are thinking I you know I always try to see, put it into perspective like when you're feeling something like re- something really shitty is happening right now how does this feel what's this look like in a day a week a month a year you know and you gotta whatever it may be and that even in everyday life in sobriety can help you get through that rough moment you know of just trying to put it into perspective is it really that bad Some, sometimes things can look really shitty right now but in a week is it going to look mm-hmm. that shitty or a month mm-hmm. or a year 
probably not, you know, I mean, everyone has their own battles and, and things to deal with. And, you know, my, my battles may not be the same as yours and vice versa, but we all have our own that we have to deal with and perspective, I think is everything, you know, mm-hmm. and key is to deal with because a lot of us drink to not deal with it mm-hmm. and it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. It just does not go away. And it's interesting listening to you, you talk about your grieving process and what, how you would have been with alcohol and without, it's interesting because I would have been the opposite. Mm, Really? So yes. So I would drink to fight my emotions. I'm actually more emotional when I'm not drinking. I know, but I I know I'm not alone in it because I've talked to other people. So I'm going to like, Flip the coin Maybe we could take second. half my brain and give. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do not get overly emotional when, when I drink it's be, and it's because I'm using the alcohol to like be somebody I'm not like, I don't want to be that emotional person. I need this to drown these feelings out. I need it to numb me out. And I actually, I lost my aunt the first week of sobriety. Wow. Like, unexpectedly, she lived alone, had a heart attack. No one knew for two days traumatic, very awful, awful. Talk about guilt. Like, oh my gosh, this is horrible, horrible Mm -hmm. way to go. And I thought, and I, and I'm sober and we got to go back home and I got to be around family. Like same thing. Everyone's going to be drinking. Like, and I thought, you know what? I knew when I got sober, the reason I got sober was because I needed to start feeling my feelings because my anxiety was horrible and I needed to start working through this shit. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? What a great way this, you know, I am going, I'm going to grieve her because I would have, I would not grieve people. I would like Mm -hmm. drink and be strong and never cry. And so when I got that news, I excused myself from the kitchen. I told my husband and I went to the bedroom and I sat there and I let myself ugly cry and cry and cry and honor her. God, I'm getting emotional talking about it. Yeah, of course. But it's like that you have to like, let your grief happen the way it's supposed to happen naturally. Mm-hmm. Like for you, you needed to be there for your mom, but then you also mm-hmm. needed to take the time to cry and, yep. and grieve. And you did yep. everything like the way it needed to be. Alcohol robs you mm-hmm. of processing it the way you need to process it so that yep. you can honor that person. There's nothing honorable about numbing out and drinking to honor someone. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, right. It's, it's so crazy when you think about it's it. It's so crazy. Going, yeah. Like people drinking, getting all shit. I mean, I get, you know, I it would have been me, right. But getting yeah. shit faced, you know, like at, you know, the funeral and the thing after and, you know, reminiscing about the person, but it's like, you know, you can that, do that. all of that without mm-hmm. alcohol mm-hmm. and you are not going to say anything you'll regret. You're being fully present in the moment. You're going to remember it. And you are going to like, it's going to feel so much better mm-hmm. instead of, yeah. Like, less likely to get an argument with your cousin because they're oh. being an asshole about it. You know, there's just so many totally. things that alcohol brings to an, a sit that situation that is so sacred and it should just be a beautiful thing. Like it just, it really should. And so I exactly. love that you were able to have that mm-hmm. for your father and for your mom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, now, you know, she's, she's actually just starting. She, so we just passed his one year of, being gone and we went to the cemetery and you know she did not remember the day of the funeral 
that's how bad she was, did not remember. And she still doesn't remember being in the nursing home, even stuff leading up to it. And she'll just be like, you know, she'll, one day she called, she was like, was his casket open? And I was like, yeah, it was mom, you know, and um, we just, you know, he's a veteran. So there was, a, we, you know, we honored him with veteran mm-hmm. honors and we went to the cemetery and um, she, she cried, which was, you know, you don't want to say great, but bittersweet because she needed to cry. They were married for 56, seven years. You know what I mean? We're literally never apart ever super codependent, you know, we're always together, lived alone. I mean, up until he passed, they were together alone in their house still, you know, um, we had a plaque, you know, that the veterans had given for him. So she was able to see that. And we all wore one of his baseball caps because he used to love baseball caps. So we honored him like that. You know, she had on this big poofy winter hat that he used to wear, you know, because it was cold in Connecticut, oh. you know, and she was sad. And, but yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, you know, when you're grieving, your yeah. husband is cry and she wasn't able to, you know, the year before. So um, it was, you know, difficult for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, God, just the way you describe all that is just beautiful and just mm. so needed. We, my One of my nieces, God. her granddaughter read the obituary, you know, cause we, you know, she didn't have any, she had no uh, participation in the funeral arrangements cause she was laying down in a, in yeah. a, in a nursing home, literally completely out of it. I mean, she was like comatose most days. Um, I'll show someone a picture from her before when she was there and now, and she's like, cause she was always spicy and she, she worked at Sam's club, giving out samples and would talk to people up until like a few years before she, um, she'd had a fall and then she, you know, she couldn't work there anymore, but um, yes, yeah, she was, you know, very vibrant and, you know, all about looking good and dressing sassy and all that. And, you know, to see her in the nursing home like that and just be, you know, just a shell, you know, and now she's just so much better. And, um, you know, obviously she misses my father and obviously she's sad. Um, but that's, you know, those are normal feelings, you know, for her to be having, and she's just having them now, but, but, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, when you think about alcohol versus sobriety, you know, and she wasn't, wasn't that it was alcohol and she was just in this weird dementia state, you know, but it's sure. like, the correlations um mm-hmm. you know there's always going to be shitty stuff that comes in our lives right and people are always, always like, oh, you know they don't want to pick a day to you know figure out when they're going to get sober because you know there's a birthday or there's a this or like you know if there's something coming up there's always going to be something you know what I mean there's always going to be something and there's always going to be stressful things you just learn mm-hmm. to navigate navigate things differently you know in your sobriety and are able to do it in a much better way yeah and here's the thing there's only one way to find out if you can get through it and that's to do it the mm-hmm. alcohol, I mean, the alcohol will always be there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it really sucks and I say this all the time to people, I'm like, if it really sucks getting sober, you can always go back. But I promise <laughs> you, if you do the work, I mean, honestly, yeah. do you want to go back? I don't want to go back. I don't no. want to go back. No, I, I always you know, say it, no one yeah. regrets not drinking the no. night before. Like there's literally nothing like you can be like, oh, geez, I really wish I drank last night. Like it just doesn't right. happen. Like the words right. just can't, don't come out of your mouth. Yeah. Right. It's so, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard that night, but the next day, holy shit. You're like, I am so glad I didn't do that. And it takes the momentum of you doing it over and over and over. Yes. And that's all it is. It's all it is, is doing it over and over and over. And every time something hard comes up, feel the feelings, work through it. Don't, don't run to alcohol. And a lot of it's just breaking the habit because after a while the craving goes away, then it's just, it's, it's an old habit. So you got to create new habits. You got to create a new uh, routine, whatever Mm -hmm. it takes. Yeah. But you have to be willing to do the work. You can't just be like, Oh, I'm just going to quit. And when it gets, you know, cause it's going to be hard. It's not, 
none of us just quit. Like we had to work so hard to get where we're at. And oh, a hundred percent. I always say, you know, it gets easier. It's not easy, right? Sure. But, yeah. but it definitely gets easier with time. Definitely. You know, I have a decent amount under my belt, right? But I don't ever stop working at it. You know, you still have to work at it. The minute you start to like, I always tell people, if you start to become complacent, that's the time you start to go snowball down, down a hill, go down a rabbit hill. You know what I mean? Rabbit hole, because you start to think the thoughts start to creep in. Like maybe I wasn't that bad. Maybe mm-hmm. I could have a drink, you know? Um, and it's scientifically proven that the brain has a mechanism that it blocks out the negative trauma from before. So while you may think you are always having a fabulous time when you're mm-hmm. drinking it, your brain manages to forget, you know, what occurred after like the third drink and how bad things were. It's like, you know, it's like a, it's an age old thing that's been kicking around that the brain just protects itself automatically, you right. know, from the trauma. So people like to think that they weren't that bad or they should maybe be able to handle it. And I just want to go have a drink with my husband at sunset. But I'm always like, if I just worried about one drink, I wouldn't be here right now. It's right. not the one drink I was worried about getting rid of. It was yeah. the 10, you know, so yeah. you have to really look at the whole picture, you know, yeah. and, and you got, you got to not give alcohol the credit for the good times because exactly. Yes. You had fun, but it, that's it. Alcohol had nothing to do with the fact that you were having fun just because it was there. Doesn't mean you had fun. You probably could have had chips and salsa. Are you going to always like associate chips and salsa with having fun? That's the problem is we, we give it way too much credit and we glamorize it and we romanticize it and Mm -hmm. everyone does it, advertising, movies, all of that. And it's just, we got to start, like people like us have to keep having these conversations. So people hear this and understand that like, it's just all a bunch of bullshit. Like alcohol is, it's a lie. It's not, it's not helping you at all. Right. You're spot on though saying that, you know what I mean? That it's not the alcohol that made, made you have the good time. There goes my mm-hmm. little light. It's not the alcohol. You may think it is, you know what I mean? Because it was there and it was prevalent and yep. everywhere you go in society, that's all you hear about every commercial, every time, every turn you take every, you know, you go down the street, you know what I mean? I, I saw the sign at a liquor store. I said, we can help you. I was like, is that a liquor store? Does it really say that? I was like, you know what I mean? You're just like things that make you go, Hmm, but it, yeah. for real, I was like, that can't be, you know, and it is, but that's just the mindset, you know, and the society that we live in. So yeah, yeah, we really need to try to normalize sobriety as much as we can. But you know, everyone, I say to each their own, you know, no mm-hmm. judgment when people drink. Um, that's their prerogative. But you know, the, the health side alone of it is just Mm-hmm. I've been seeing so many things on the news. I know with COVID, younger drinkers, you know, getting liver liver failure, cirrhosis of the liver, like super young, you know, young professionals that you know didn't think they really even had drinking problems that are going into these institutes getting help and seeing what their liver looks like. It's crazy mm-hmm. how bad mm-hmm. it can get, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what the how quickly it can repair itself or what have you, but I, I'm sure. Um, you know, like with smoking, you stop smoking, things start to get better immediately. Right. Stop drinking, right. things start to get better immediately. I mean, me, my skin, my, I mean, I, yeah, it's not the weight thing, but I probably lost like 40 pounds, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Over mm-hmm. time, not only from not drinking, but from eating healthier, not eating crap in the middle of the night, wanting to work out, you know? Um, 
Yeah. It snowballs pretty quickly yeah. once you start yeah. feeling better. I know mm-hmm. I've seen your, I've seen your before and afters and like, <laughs> like you are <laughs> glowing woman. Like you look amazing. Yeah, thank amazing. you. You too. Oh my oh, God. Yes. It's like uh, an Instatox in a, in a lack of a bottle. Right. I know. I mean, like you don't skin. even know how shitty you looked until you get sober. I'm like, dang. Right? <laughs> I was like, I didn't think I looked that bad, but my beer goggles I mean, were really good. <laughs> mine is all in my face. A lot of times too, like yes. when I lose weight, my mm-hmm. face, or when I'm heavier, my face takes it. And um, yeah, I see my face and I'm like, I mean, just probably bloated, swollen, just puffy. everything and heavier and puffy, you know, and just, um, you know, the ring, you know, you're just much more hydrated, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just the, the benefits are about, boundless you know really they are yeah yeah they are oh Kristen this has been great I love you thank you yeah I I love this conversation (laughs) so good and it's going to be so helpful for so many and that's why I I do this yeah thank you for listening to the podcast today remember I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at This Is Steph Sober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.